0: Well, this is a very exciting day. We've been waiting for this for a little while. A few, uh, couple of months ago, you as a church had a meeting, and uh, Fred was anxiously waiting for the outcome of the meeting. And uh, then there was an overwhelming response for us that Kerrang Baptist Church wants to appoint no longer an, uh, an interim pastor, but actually officially appoint Fred and Nancy as the senior pastor. That is exciting, don't you think so? Absolutely. Nothing like agreeing with the Spirit and what the Spirit and us agree to. Well, I want to bring greetings to you all the way from Kenya. I had the joy last night to uh, have a brief conversation with Bishop Philip Kiloto, the former senior pastor and very close friend and mentor to... Uh, to Fred, uh, but he was a former pastor at the International Christian Center and currently is the general superintendent with the Assembly of God Church in Kenya. And uh, it's a joy. And he's very excited for you as a church. He spoke exceptionally highly regarding what Fred, who he is, and what he will bring into uh, the leadership capacity. And uh, I'm just really excited for Fred and Nancy and the boys But I also want to bring greetings to you from uh, the Baptist Union, from Reverend Daniel Bullock, the Director of Mission and Ministries uh, of our Baptist Union. And he uh, brings his greetings. He's, He's not long after recovering from surgery, but he's back on deck again. But he brings his greetings to you, Fred and Nancy. He's very excited for what's happening here at this particular point of time. Greetings also from the other Baptist pastors of the Northwest. Region and Fred, you'll be catching up with most of them on Monday, which will be a great opportunity just to share a meal together. And then finally, I want to bring greetings from your previous pastor, uh, uh, the Scots one who appeared at um, (laughs) that one one. Haggis McFlee. That's right. Some of you, uh, those of you who are not from the church, will have uh, no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But the people in this church will realize, uh, okay, you're talking about Bob. Yeah. Well, uh, during Christmas times, and if you ever have an opportunity to watch at Christmas service, there is a video of uh, Haggis McFlea doing uh, a Christmas chat. Um, Bob was a brilliant pastor and a brilliant entertainer. <laughs> he got people um, really engaged. But he's very excited for, for you Fred and Nancy, and he's very excited for you as a church, having been here for a number of years. Um, He's now back with the Baptist world, which is good. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That's correct. Yeah. And uh, my wife would bring greetings to you as well, but she is presently as an interpreter with the deaf. She was doing a carol service last night in Winchelsea, and then she's doing an interpreting for the church church. At Grace Church in Geelong. So we are presently doing things separately, but we're looking forward to a nice holiday together. Today is a very significant and special day that as a gathered community of God's people, we are here to officially induct Fred Montgomery to the continued ministry of Kerrang Baptist Church, where he had been here for 12 months. And now it's the opportunity to publicly recognize and to affirm and to get behind the anointing of God upon Fred's ministry here. There is a change that takes place. He's no longer the interim. He now becomes officially the senior pastor and therefore will have a lot more engagement from that leadership capacity. He is a man that I know listens to God he is a man not only who listens to God, but who hears God and is very open to keeping in step with what we say is keeping in step with what the Spirit is doing and what the Spirit of God is doing in Karang at this very moment of time. This is a time of new beginnings. It's a new season in the life of Kerrang Baptist Church, a time of forging relationships and a time of recasting commitment for both the pastor and the people. By participating in this service, We want to affirm and believe that Fred McGumby has been called to this ministry by God, and we join, as with one voice, in seeking God's help and anointing for our development and growing integrity as a healthy and vital part of the body of Christ in our wider community. And I want to invite Fred and Nancy to join me on the platform. You got the red mic? i 'm going to ask you questions, Fred and Nancy and the boy they 're a, a team, um, and you will have noticed that they 've been all engaged in the in the aspect of leading and, and it 's a joy to see. I just also want to welcome Carol, their very close friend all the way from brisbane, uh, who 's come. Uh, Fred and Nancy have been a mentor to to Carol, and so she wanted to be here for this very significant service and to bring your, her blessing upon your ministry here as well. And there's others. I, Nancy's sister, all the way from Canberra. It's warmer here. <laughs> But it is a joy to have you and the family. Is there anybody else who I didn't, who I missed out? Yeah, over. Over there. The boys. These little kids. This family. They're from? <laughs> you have come a long way. And particularly when you think that Kerrang was an island just a few weeks ago. Um, it's it's <laughs> amazing what's happened. But it is a joy that we are all here to to affirm and to bless Fred and R- Nancy in this new, new season of their life and ministry. So Fred, I want to ask you this very, very important question. Do you accept the role of senior pastor within this church, believing that God has led you to ministry within and through this community of faith? Yes, I do. And will you seek in the strong and enabling spirit of God to faithfully live out your calling to all aspects of pastoral leadership? Within and to ensure that your pastoral ministry remains strong. Yes, I will. Will you seek in the enabling spirit to faithfully live out and call and your prayer, the rhythms of prayer, the spiritual growth skills, development, and recreation to ensure that your pastoral ministry remains vital and contemporary? Yes, I will. And Nancy, you play a very integral role and commitment that Fred has made to this church. Do you now renew your nurture and encouragement of Fred's ministry and support him in this appointment as pastor? Yes, I do. And I invite the congregation to please stand. A few weeks ago, you as a congregation, as Baptist churches, went and had a vote, and the vote came out overwhelming that Fred should be called I now ask you this important question, and the statement that you respond will come up on the screen. Do you accept Fred as senior pastor of this church by the leading of God? Do you affirm your commitment to Fred's ministry, and will you continue to support him and Nancy in prayer and in action? We do, and we will. You've heard that. Will you continue to seek the care for Fred and Nancy, acknowledging the needs and challenges that come with being a pastoral family. We together we stand, recognising the commitment we are making, offering our encouragement, love and prayers for the challenges that lie ahead of us and sharing in our hope for a new day. I want to invite the elders, if they would join me, as we come and pray united together for Fred and Nancy. And if you want, uh, you can stretch out your hand as an identification with uh, what we are doing here right now. Right now, oh God, we want to affirm that the Spirit has called Fred and Nancy to this particular role. We pray for the Spirit of leadership to come upon him mightily. A Spirit of wisdom and understanding to know your will, to know your guidance. I pray for a new... Uh, authority in his life. I rebuke any fear in the name of Jesus Christ and pray for a spirit of power and might to rise up. A real discernment, O God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for his leadership and the elders as they work together for the good of this church. I pray that there will be unity and harmony and that the mind of Christ would be evident in them and through them. I pray that you would protect Fred and Nancy and the boys Particularly, I pray for Jesse as he'll move to Geelong, and I commend him to you in this new season of life for him. But, Lord, for the family, I pray that they would know your presence. They would know your love. They would know your joy. They would know your presence in everything that is said and done in and through their lives together. They are part of a team, O God, and that you would be meeting and providing for all their needs according to your great riches. I pray for a great sense of your love to well up within in them and through the ministry that will be impacting this community that the light of Christ will shine in and through this church to the community around. Lord, we bless them and we set them apart for this particular purpose and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ who anoints us all to serve others and with love and compassion <laughs> I confirm by the authority invested in me by the Baptist Union of uh, Victoria, Fred McGumby's induction to the ministry of this church at Kerrang as its pastor. May the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit captivate you and grow you in your adventure of faith as you lead the people of God with grace and hope. May God's grace enfold you all and may his grace be upon you. Amen. I introduce to you your pastor, Fred McGumby. This is a very significant day in the life of Kerrang Baptist Church, and it is a joy to be able to be with you. It's, uh, in one sense, a bit of a sadness because Alicia concludes her role. Uh, on the staff at this church, she's not leaving the church. The Lord has led her into a new role. And we want to pray blessing upon you, Alicia. Um, I know that the church have really valued and appreciated the ministry that you've been investing into. And uh, there's a sense of an excitement as you enter into this new season for yourself. There's a sense of, okay, God, what are you doing in light of... Karang, but God has that in hand. God doesn't make any mistakes in all of these things. And that's why I believe the message that I have for you as a church is not about Fred. It's about each one of us. Because the focus on this uh, message that the Lord has put on my heart for you this morning is looking at the characteristics of the person God uses Does he only use people who are leaders? The answer is no, because not all of us have got that leadership gift. But we have, because we now live in the New Testament era, now that we live in post-Pentecost era, and where the gifts of the Spirit have been distributed evenly across the body of Christ, These are aspects and opportunities for us to get to know how we can be the person that God wants to use. The question that I would be asking is, are you wanting to be used by God? And if your answer is yes, but there may be lots of questions and lots of issues that you would be wrestling with. Maybe you feel that you're inadequate or too young or too old or just too tired. Uh, in light of all that's been going on. But I want to reassure you that this message that God has placed on my heart will really speak into your life. Because as this next slide tells us, the life of Gideon provides seven characteristics of the people God uses. So if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. And the context of this is that the, the nation of Israel... Um, has been going through what we call cycles uh, where there's a real sense of God's presence and everybody's going well and then all of a sudden they go in this cycle of downward trend where they enter back into sin and enter back into rebellion and then uh, the enemies come and the enemies overtake them and overwhelm them and it's on one of those occasions where the nation of Israel has been just completely overwhelmed by the Midianites that they start crying out. And it's in this context, as a result of their rebellion, that the Lord had allowed them to go into this kind of wilderness experience. When we're not walking with God, when we ask questions why we're walking in wildernesses, and why things go wrong, it's a matter of being able to listen and being in tune with what God is actually saying. So I want to begin, although the passage was originally uh, Judges 6, 1, we're going to begin at verse 11 because I want to look at what's going to take place in and through the life of Gideon because I know that Gideon's life and the manner in which he responds will really speak to you. And so in verse 11 he begins, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belongs to Joash the Aborazite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about That when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went and prepared a young goat, and from, for, from an ephah of flour he made a bread from yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, and brought them out and offered them under the yoke. The Lord of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Uphra to the Abarazites. That, that same night the Lord said to him Take a second bull from your father's herd, one of the seven year old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a pop, proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. As t- at the top of the, his height, using the word of the Asherah Paul that you cut down, offer the second bowl as a second offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. So from this passage of scripture, we can actually see seven characteristics in in his response and his reaction. The first thing that we discover is that Gideon is chosen by God. That's the first thing that we discover. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, where, he belo- where that belonged to Joash the Eberazite, where his son was threshing the wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. In this context, we see that the angel of the Lord comes and encounters Gideon with a message. He's chosen Gideon in answer to the prayers that were going up, that was going on. In answer to the prayers that have been going on from the Kerrang Baptist Church, God has chosen Fred. Fred did not choose Kerrang as such, but God had brought him on a journey, and in that journey, God has chosen to set aside and encounter Fred. But not only is he wanting to choose Fred, he's wanting to choose you together to partner with him. When we go to the New Testament, we understand that the writings of the scripture says, but you did not choose God. God chose you. He appointed you. He set you apart. And it's a wonderful thing to be chosen. I don't know about you, uh, particularly at school. You know, when at school they're choosing teams and uh, you, you pick the two best players to be the captains and then they go around and they pick the, pick the children. Have you ever uh, have you ever experienced this? Okay. Now what? It's immediate responses. The two captains go, "Oh, they'll have this one, they'll have this one, they'll have this one, this this and this one." And then it comes to the last four kids. And there's a bit of hesitation. And on some occasions they go, "Oh, you can have him." <laughs> that feeling of rejection. Not being wanted. But for each one of us, God chose. God chose you. How does it feel to be chosen? There's a sense of feeling important. There's a sense of feeling accepted. There's a sense sense of anticipation, of being with the person who is the greatest in all of the things that are happening. And in this particular case, we know that God chose us. And wants to use us and not just Fred. It's not about Fred. And today is not about Fred. It's about Kerrang Baptist Church. And what God is actually doing in and through Kerrang Baptist Church. That will impact the kingdom of God. In this community. So he's chosen you. I love how Peter writes it and says. But you are a chosen people a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And that is what you are. You are chosen. Makes you feel great. Now, as a result of being chosen, the word of God comes to Gideon and not only says, "Uh, I've chosen you, but he calls him something. And in this case, he says, he calls him a mighty warrior by the Lord. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This was his identity, who he was to be identified as, a mighty warrior. The element is he may not have felt like a mighty warrior. And you mightn't feel like a mighty warrior. And it's amazing those words that have been spoken into your life and by other people, whether they be your parents, whether they be your teachers, whether they be people of influence, and they call you, they identify you as something. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You're useless. You're hopeless. You'll never amount to any good. But have you noticed the people that Jesus chose to follow him? In the modern terminology, they were all the rejects. Jesus chose rejects. Tax collectors, sinners. He looked them in the eye and he said, follow me. And I'll make you something. Whose voice are you listening to? What are you believing about yourself that is alive from the pit of hell? When Jesus is calling you something different, he's wanting to call you mighty warrior. But you may not feel like a mighty warrior. But you need to understand Jesus is the truth and he only speaks the truth. And the truth, when you embrace the truth, sets you free from the lies and the deceptions of everything else. God wants to use you, but you need to believe who he's called you to be. He's not calling you to be something ordinary. He's calling you to be something extraordinary by his grace and because of his authority that he speaks into you. And yes, we want to certainly endow Fred as the mighty warrior, as the leader of the congregation. But Jesus is wanting to endow each and every one of you because it's not about Fred. It's about each and one of us playing our role. And each one of us play a role and a part in the kingdom ministry. And we're all mighty warriors. Do you know why we're mighty warriors? Because we're in a battle. We are living in what we call post-Christian age. Are you aware of that here in Korea? It's post-Christendom. We've been living in Christendom for a long, long, long period of time, but now it's post-Christendom. In fact, we have actually reverted back to first century Christianity where Christianity was on the sidelines but was having a great influence. And that's why you need to be known as mighty warriors because you're in a battle And the influences that are going on around about us are overtaking us. The things that our children are having at our schools. The things, you know, there's things that you and I can't even pray in school. We can't even read the Bibles in our schools. That's gone. And so we need to be recognizing that we are being called a mighty warrior because there's a war going on. And he wins. Jesus wins because we're on his side. Now, as we move on, Jesus calls uh, in Ephesians, he says, and to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, as you read the Bible, does it ever read to the sinners in Corinth or Philippi or somewhere else? No, it always writes to the saints, the holy ones, the ones set apart, the ones who are different. you and i are called mighty warriors what are you i guess mumbling it you you don't believe it because if you believe it it's going to be radiating from you now what what Gideon does when he hears this he complains this third characteristic is generally we complain when we are asked about something he complains to the Lord, but, 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 sir, Gideon replied, "If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our fathers have told us about? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midianites." He doesn't take responsibility for all the things that have happened. He actually blames, and he said, "Where are you? You've abandoned us." He's believing lies. Because the word of God tells us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But there are times in our lives where we feel God is not there. It's dark. And we feel maybe a little bit abandoned. What on earth is going on? And it raises an awful lot of questions in our minds. And you may be right there. Having gone through the floods, having gone through drought, having gone through all of the things that have been going on, okay, God, I've been worshiping you, but where are you? Have you abandoned us? What are you doing? We avoid what God is actually doing and saying, and we move to our agenda. That's exactly what Gideon did in addressing the situation where God was doing something. He was avoiding it. We all have our complaints against the Lord. Each and every one of us. If we're honest, I've had them. Where are you? When things don't go the way I think they should go, and things fall into place the way I think they should fall into place, we get angry. We get emotional. We make allegations and accusations just like Gideon. What amazes me in regarding the characteristics of how God dealt with this or the angel of the Lord dealt with this, he ignored it. (laughs) Do you notice how it reads? The Lord turned to him and said, he doesn't answer the questions that he's asking. He just says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He ignores the statements and the questions and the doubts and he just commissions him. He says, ah, you're my representative. You are going to, um, you're going to be the answer to the prayers of all of the other people. Each one of us need to recognize that you and I have been commissioned by God. It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do in us and through us to a lost world because Jesus wants to bring reconciliation and restoration to the lost world. And it's a matter of getting on board. Have you been reading the newspapers lately? Are you aware of what's going on in our world? Have you been reading the Bible recently? When you read the Bible and you read our newspapers and listen to the media, you and I are living in what we call the latter days, the last days, the days when Jesus is preparing to come back, and we're not ready. But there's a, a sense of anticipation. There's a sense of readiness that's coming on. And he says, "I'm wanting to commission my church to be the church that I intended to be, and that is to represent me." He ignores the complaints. And he just comes and he commissions us. Jesus says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The reality, each and every one of us who have come into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, who've heard his call to follow me, who've recognized that we've been chosen. We've been chosen to engage in the very same things that he was about, saving a lost world. It's time, church, to understand the Great Commission and not just pray for the missionaries, but to engage in the mission Because you have been commissioned too. That's what it is. Now, when we get commissioned and we feel the the overwhelming responsibility of what it means, this fifth characteristic is we become very, very cautious of ourselves. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Sound familiar? Who am I that God should choose me? I am nothing. I am the least in my family. I've got nothing to offer. You know, as you read through the Old Testament, it's amazing how many people have come up with the same. Moses did the same thing. Who? Who am I? And then Moses basically said, Send somebody else. A lot of the prophets felt the same. Jeremiah certainly felt it. And I'm sure you have felt very cautious. But the reality, right throughout, as we read the scriptures, it's not about you. (laughs) He takes the weak things and the foolish things of this world, (laughs) like you and me, to confound the wisdom of the world. Because it's not about us, it's about pointing people to Jesus. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, He is the one who is able to do amazingly more than we think or imagine by the power that is at work in each and every one of you. We bring, we come up with the same questions Who am I that God should choose me? We come up with our cautions. Again, when we come to the sixth characteristics, Jesus answer, God answers this one. Committed with the promises of God, the Lord answered him, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. We are going to do it together. It's not about you, Gideon. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to enable you. I'm going to provide for you. But you're still going to be the one that's going to lead the people. It's a matter of Gideon coming and recognizing that the answer that God is providing here is that the one who created the world is with him. The one who made him in his image is with him. The one who did all the wonders and the marvelous things that he read about and heard about in Egypt will be with him. The same thing for you. The writer to the Hebrews says, let us hold on to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I was going through a very dark night of the soul Um, a long time ago and somebody sent me a song it's wonderful the power of a song but the words of the song goes God's rainbows uh, God's rainbows are God's uh, the words have gone from me but it talks about rainbows in the night shining hope inside when shadows cloud my eyes and I had shadows were clouding my eyes I couldn't see, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't see how God was going to be working through things. But then I was reminded of the promises of God. I am so grateful that as a child, I was taught the Scriptures. Do your children know the Scriptures? Because when all else fails, they only have the Word of God that lasts forever. And if we aren't investing into our children with the promises of God... What have they to hold on to when dark nights of the soul come upon them? The word of God was clear. I will be with you. And so we need to recognize what the promises of God are. We need to hold on to those promises that God has given to us in his word and through his spirit. We need to hold on to the promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will help you. I will be with you. All of these wonderful and magnificent promises are there for us to participate with what God is doing. But we're afraid. And all of us are. But God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love and of power. And of a sound mind, but that sound mind is based upon the Word of God, because the Word brings life. Embracing the Word of God, and taking hold of it and applying it to your lives will enable you. When you come to realize this, I love how the seventh characteristic points this out. He was compelled to obey the Lord. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Now, many of us know the story of Gideon, and the focus of Gideon's story is where he took 300 men and, and wiped out the Midianites. But before, before he did anything like that so brilliantly, and we all know that story, those of us who've been raised in church, there was something he needed to do before that that most of us miss out And it had to do with worship. Because what had happened is the Israelites had turned away from the worship of God and gone to idols. They'd gone to other things. They'd established the bowels. They'd put up altars and they'd done all of these things. And what God was saying, I want to restore right worship. And so therefore, Gideon, what I want you to do, I want you to go and tear tear down the altar of your dad. I want you to rip it down. And then I want you to put up an altar. And then I want you to take the bull, you know, the special bull. I want you to offer it up on the altar. That would have been a frightening experience, don't you think? But what God was wanting to do before he did amazing things, and we all want amazing things to happen, he wants to restore worship. That he becomes the overall central focus of everything that we say and everything that we do, he becomes Lord. He becomes the king. He becomes the one who is central and focused. Then, when Jesus becomes the focal point in your life, then all these other things will be taken care of. All the the miracles, all the other stuff will happen because Jesus is Lord. That's where it begins. And as we begin a new season in our life here at Kerrang Baptist Church, and as your pastor comes and leads us in communion, remembering the very altar of God, we are dedicating ourselves that Jesus be Lord. Lord. And then all your prayers about the things that you want to see happen. They will happen. Because God will not deny himself. It's when we come to realize how much he loves us. For God's love compels us. I cannot not do what God wants me to do. Is when we restore him to the rightful place in our lives. He is king of my life. Then he can use us you see god uses ordinary people to work with him and he wants to use you as you work together with your pastor we want to see that this building is not big enough to contain what god wants to do in and through his church do you see the characteristics and are they there Are we willing to come and say, here am I, Lord, as we gather around this table being shared by Pastor Fred? Let me pray, and then I'm inviting Pastor Fred to lead us around the table. Father, we just want to thank you for your word that is living and active. And we identify with Gideon when we feel the weight of responsibility. But then we are overwhelmed by your love and the sacrifice that you made for us. That nothing would hold us back from participating and cooperating with you. I pray now for this congregation that the reality of participating and cooperating with you would just be placed upon them as they respond to your word and as we respond by sharing in this communion. We say, All to Jesus. We want you to be center in everything that we say and do. And we pray this in and through Jesus' name. Amen.